pronounce your name correctly for me. Okay, my name is Alia Fatouh. And you are from? From Beirut. But you work at? I work at Ether Gallery. Um, uh, I joined in Jeddah. I joined them in January of this year and it's been an exciting ride. And as you can hear by the noise behind us, we are currently recording this at the Berlin Art Week Art Fair. I'm not sure how they phrase that quite yes, perfectly. They're both happening simultaneously. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay, so there's Art Week overall, and this is particular right. art fair. fair. Got it. Now, so you have worked for this gallery since January, and the, but the gallery has existed. The gallery is actually uh, in its 10 year uh, this year. Uh, so they were established in 2009 by Muhammad ha- Hafiz and Hamza Sayrafi, uh, both Saudi um, and uh, with a very strong passion in uh nurturing young artists and uh, nurturing an art scene. And that's what they've been doing since then. Okay, and it's primarily focused on the Saudi Middle Eastern arts community and art scene? Primarily Saudi. Saudi. Uh, We represent uh, two non-Saudis or non-Saudi based, let's say. Uh, because we we work with with Saudi based artists who aren't, uh, you know, like don't carry the Saudi passport. And one one little thing that I'm always interested in, sorry, this is a diversion from where we were just talking. I'm always interested about how people get to working in the arts because the arts is not like, it's not like being a doctor or a lawyer yeah. or some fabulous, well-to-do, well-respected thing. It's often sort of the sidelines of, of great career-y ideas right. uh, in people's youth. So um, background, childhood, family, sort of nature versus nurture. Like, was it uh-huh. your parents that encouraged your interest in creativity? Was it a teacher, a friend? How did you get here? My background is in uh, conflict resolution and security and defense. Uh, that I... is random, <laughs> but yet maybe appropriate for the arts community. Very, actually, as I discovered uh, later on. Um, so I studied at the American University of Beirut, uh, majored in political science, then went on to do my master's at Sciences Po Paris, which is a bit of a diplomatic school, and then just randomly landed in Dubai. It happened to be the day before uh, the Israeli war on Lebanon in 2006, and, and they bombed the airport. Uh, and so I got to Dubai. The next day I woke up, the airport was gone. So uh, I was stuck in Dubai, and from then on, I decided I didn't want to move back to live in Lebanon. It's not a bad place to be stuck, though. Yeah. So, and and it just so happened that around 2006, the art scene was actually starting to take shape in, in Dubai. The first art fair was happening. I think it happened in 2007. The first auction Christie's had just set up. Uh, the galleries were opening. Uh, they were very, very young at the point. At that point, like the third line, IVDE, Isabel van den Einde. You had the courtyard gallery. You had a few galleries that were just really starting. And so uh, my sister was uh, studied uh, art, and so I kind of went through the PR route because I'm very social and, you know, I didn't know what to do with my background in Dubai because it's not the most obvious no. field to be 
practicing not, not, in. Not there now. So I thought I'd, I'd shift to PR and then PR took me to culture. And from there I was in the arts. And as I w worked in the field, I realized that my cousin was also an artist. I have another cousin who's an art dealer okay. in uh, 17th century European art in Paris. And another, you know, so we actually, uh, a lot of us. Okay, so there is a little bit of <laughs> nature in there, yes. a little bit of nurture, depending on sort of where you what time of year what time of your career it was but. yes okay and now so this gallery author gallery is that am i pronouncing that correctly Arthur, yes Arthur, okay author gallery is primarily based in saudi now do you go out and do a lot of art fairs uh the gallery has historically done a lot of art fairs and in, in fact it's the only gallery in saudi that has uh, taken saudi art internationally and really put it on the map okay. uh, before that nobody had done that uh yeah previously so uh, right now we're doing about maybe not 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 a lot compared to other galleries you know <laughs> in the rest of the world but we're doing maybe around six seven fairs six fairs a year yeah this year oh that's a lot again on, a on average i think like on yeah. average that seems like a lot yeah because i mean art fairs are time-consuming expensive yes. like you know difficult to just finagle the coordination of the artworks themselves the artists being able to come potentially come and yeah. participate etc etc i mean there's a lot of lot our, of uh, yeah. work that people don't see mm -hmm. on for the gallery end of like putting together an art fair that's true uh and in our case i feel like uh art fairs are a very important portal uh, and and place to uh, introduce these artists to the world. So um, a lot of our encounters happen here with curators and museums and patrons. Uh, but the most important ones are for us are these introductions to curators and and uh, museums. Um, okay. Yeah. So that so like you all that that's good because one of the things I've always wondered about is like what is the actual thing that galleries are expecting to achieve by going to an art fair? You know, basically, like, I could imagine certain galleries, you, when you go to an art fair, you could walk in and you could tell by what they've brought, mm -hmm. whether they're looking for buyers and collectors or whether they're looking for institutions and curators. Because, like, if it's big and monumental and installation-based or something like this, then mm -hmm. it's obvious they're going for the museums and curators. If it's sort of small prints, you know, mm -hmm. the price points are a bit lower, they're obviously looking for more for the collectors and that kinds of stuff. So it's always interesting to hear why a gallery chooses to go out. So your mission seems to be to actually promote Saudi artists throughout the world. Yes, uh, to expand their audience uh, and also to uh, include them in the international discourse uh, so that we're not working on the periphery or uh, working in an isolation, in isolation with what's happening in the rest of the world because the concerns that the art, our artists raise are very similar to uh, the concerns that artists are raising in the rest of the world. And but that's something that's very hard for people to see. And so um, that's why we want to talk about their work and show their work in platforms like art fairs. And what kind of reception have you gotten from that 
sort of goal has 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 how many years have you been going to art fairs? I know you've only been there since January, but the fairs has been doing fairs. Uh, the gallery's been doing fairs uh, ever since it started. In fact, actually, the gallery uh, was part of Art Dubai before it even had a gallery space. Okay. Okay. So, there, so, <laughs> so it's a core element to their mission. Then. Yes, yes. Taking into Saudi artists internationally is absolutely one of our core missions. Okay. And has it been easy? I mean, uh, this is the sort of the idea of the podcast is like, what works, what doesn't work? How does the contemporary world work? Have you had any pitfalls, things that you didn't foresee? You're like, oh, I didn't think somebody would have this issue. Well... In our case, we, we're in a very particular case, right? So, and especially we, we, one can argue there's a pre-October 2018, you know. Uh, I don't know what that means. The, there's a, the, for the art world's reception of Saudi, there's a pre-Khashoggi and a post-Khashoggi. Uh, oh, way, the journalist thing. Yes. Yes, okay. Uh, because of their willingness or I'm unwillingness. So bad. I know nothing about politics. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just in terms of the reception of of anything and everything. Saudi has shifted majorly since okay, so, that incident. So, the, so that's interesting. So the, the politics of a country has interfered or, or majorly. affected majorly the reception of a commercial gallery and the artists that are producing works in that country. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's unfortunately, an issue. unfortunately, the artists are the ones that are getting, uh, in a way, sanctioned by the by the international art scene because of this incident, because they just don't want to deal with anything Saudi at this point. And oh. so uh, one of our major obstacles has been to try and convince uh, institutions and and people to work with us. Because the public opinion has uh, been so aggressively vocal against everything Saudi that unfortunately the artists are paying the price. I think uh, just like for many galleries, uh, there's a lot of groundwork to do in order to render these art fairs successful. You have to do the groundwork beforehand, so um, set up meetings and and come and visit the cities where you're going to do the fairs, in order to introduce the artists to to the scene. Right. So, like, so really, you all are the sort of the groundbreakers. Like, you're having to come into all these cities, all these new countries, and try to create a foundation of an interest in something so you're you're literally starting a sort of a new market and a new interest for curators museums collectors whatever yes yes and actually one of the uh, very clever and and interesting things that the co-founders of the gallery uh, initiated is something called the saudi art council which is an independent entity that some of the most important patrons of saudi formed something called the Saudi Art Council and they came together just to support the art scene and so these these big families organized a, a major exhibition something similar in in its hype it was something similar to a biennial maybe mm -hmm. and so every year they started to organize these major exhibitions and invited international curators to to put them together and organized also a trip so since 2014 
they started to organize trips for about 30 people, uh, 30 art professionals from around the world to come and discover the art scene. And that's been a groundbreaking thing for the uh, Saudi art scene and its collaboration with the rest of the world. So that's another way they put Saudi art on the map. Interesting. So, okay. So, I mean, so basically you're sort of going both ways. Like on the one hand, you're you're going out of country to go to art fairs and then you're also going in country by inviting people to come in. Yes. Because when we're doing the fair, we can't, we can't always fly all the artists, you know, and it's very, very important for, for there to be an interaction between the curator and the artist. Mm -hmm. And so bringing them there, organizing studio visits, lunches, dinners, where there's a constant interaction really forges a, a sol- more solid base for these human relationships, really. Sure. I'm going to come off as an idiot by asking this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyways because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I do. I, I ask stupid questions. So as a American, as an ignorant American, my perception <laughs> of people in Saudi Arabia would be that they're all rich. Okay. Now, educate me because I know I'm wrong. Okay, yes. So that's one of the misperceptions of uh, Saudi society. So it is a a very big country uh, with a big population. I know the truth. And and so you have a, a rather portion of it that is not wealthy (laughs) and in fact many of the artists we work with had never traveled before uh, have never traveled they only speak Arabic so that's also one of the barriers that we have with our artists is that they only speak Arabic and so yes that's one of the misperceptions and also the other um, thing that I discovered living there is how diverse this country is Mm -hmm. like the the social fabric is extremely diverse you know you have people who are half Indonesian half Saudi half American half Saudi half uh, you know you name it really they are extremely mixed and there's a very vibrant creative scene in Saudi, very, very, very dynamic underground scene as well. And that ranges from filmmakers to uh, DJs and VJs and uh, sound artists. And, you know, so uh, it's a really interesting, really interesting place. Okay. I was just playing devil's advocate because yeah. I, mean, I lived in the UAE and I, kn- I know a little bit about Saudi, <laughs> but I wanted to sort of like get it out there that like that preconceived idea of the the, right. the entire culture is really not true yes i mean it's much like i lived in the uae and and it's also really not true there either while everybody thinks everybody there right. is rich they're really not all rich yeah, yeah so just trying to get rid of some misconceptions yeah, yeah. okay and and the way it differs actually from the uae since you bring it up is that it's grassroots you know there, there's an actual population saudi a big saudi population that has been acting on a grassroots level for for a very long time in the arts in the arts yeah yeah the the uae would probably be more the well it's probably split there's sort of a a more traditional band and then there's the sort of the elite end of the the spectrum for Mm -hmm. sure which were the people that i taught at syed university Mm. so yeah it was fun yeah (laughs) Happy to be out of there, though. (laughs) So even though you only work with Saudi artists, Mm -hmm. you still have to select 
of the the Saudi artists. So like, how do you select uh, wh who to work with and who not to work with? Okay, so the gallery has become known for uh, its cutting edge artists and, and conceptual art. So uh, one of the ways that we've been discovering artists is by uh, launching something called the Young Saudi Artists, the YSA. And so every year we, we launch an open call and it's become a, a really important exhibition throughout the, the kingdom to discover talent and to, for, for young artists to have their first encounter or relationship with a, with, a, with a professional gallery or to exhibit in a gallery space. And so we get hundreds of applications and we form a selection committee and we some we inter sometimes the committee is international sometimes it's local and so this year actually the show is happening in november and so a lot of the artists that are have now become established and even internationally recognized started with the ysa show mm -hmm. uh, and so that's one of the ways that we discover artists and we we take them on uh, some of the criteria that we look at are um what is the artist saying? So what's the message? How strong is the concept, the intellect behind it? Uh, and then you have form. Uh, how does it translate into an artwork? Uh, is it aesthetically powerful, you know, pleasing? Is it well made? The craftsmanship behind it? Uh, it can, you know, and when I say craftsmanship, it can also apply to video because video is also editing and selecting the imagery and the sound and all of that. So these are the things that we look at uh, when we're selecting artists. To what represent. about artist statements? I've had many, many discussions with various different people about the importance or lack of importance of artist statements. Yeah, artist statements is, I think, what I was referring to as the concept behind the work okay. and the intellect behind it. And so what, what is, what's the message that the artist is putting out there? How are they contributing to, to the conversation? Um, and is it novel or not? And no, this is great. I'm a professor and, and I tell students this kind of stuff all the time. Mm. But when a prof it, it, like when a professor tells a student, right, it's like right. mom or dad telling right. a child, but hearing it from somebody who's in the industry, such as yourself, mm. basically, you, everything you're saying is the same things that I keep saying. So it's yeah. like, oh, it's really nice to hear somebody yeah. else say the same <laughs> thing. So like, yeah. yeah, either I had it right or I had it wrong. But like, so I'm hearing like stuff. And theoretically, people will have, they'll probably sort of trust you more because mm. you're literally on right. the ground, boots on the ground, interacting with people, mm. interacting with artists and curators and all that. I'm just sitting in an ivory tower teaching. Right. So like, I don't know the reality of it. But yeah. it's nice to hear that, what I've been telling my students is correct, sort of correct, at least in your experience. Yes, and actually I wanted to say the other thing that we, um, we really value is when artists introduce us to other artists. That's, that's a, Yeah, that's, that's something that's come up thing. before is, we talk about like when, when an artist is out trying to get a gallery to, to represent them, oftentimes people think, oh, drop a portfolio by or email a portfolio or something like this. 
every single yeah well that's that's exactly (laughs) what i'm saying not a single gallery or curator i've spoken to has said oh yeah that worked successfully i now represent that person and they sell very well nobody it's oftentimes it's through collectors or through other artists that the gallery already respects or through curators or so it's it's all about the relationships Uh, in the end it's just always goes back to relationships so a lot of a lot of agreements in the art world are made through a handshake and and so these informal um ways of working like these introductions uh references are very important okay but that leads to an interesting question which is social media and the internet and all this so Mm -hmm. while the tradition the long tradition of the arts world is handshakes coffee beer you know whatever yeah. you know greases the wheel of the of the business and then how is the social media working or not working for you in that like does it complement it does it contradict it well um it definitely complements it but in a way also we're seeing a lot of artists becoming independent and not working with galleries because they are able to place work through their Instagram account. That being said, we're not only about placing an artwork and, and selling art, we are also about building a career. And for us, building a career uh, is also very much an institutional recognition and a curatorial and critical recognition. And so getting that done, you need a lot more than just a, an Instagram account, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which so far has proven fantastic for selling art. For, and you, I'm sure, for the gallery, the gallery has sold no, through their for, Instagram? No, I'm just saying like okay. for artists in general, but yeah. f- for the gallery, we, we don't really sell through our Instagram account, but a lot of people discover artists and what we're doing through our Instagram. We have a... A relatively big following. We have about forty thousand followers. That's lovely. Um, and so it's you know I think now we're fifty. <laughs> Far more than me, but I've only been doing this for six weeks, so you know. Oh. You <laughs> but that's to say that um, we are still working through the traditional medium. Well, the, I mean, so the question we like a lot of people seem to think like, oh, I can put my work on Instagram and I can sell it that way. But is it possible that Instagram is simply just becoming another, just another layer in the process, basically? So like, let's, so let's say somebody just happens upon an artist's work that you represent on Instagram, which then leads to, let's say, them coming to an art fair where you happen to be exhibiting that person's work, which then leads to a sale, yes. an exhibition, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it seems like it's just... It could be used, I'm not saying it does yes. or is successfully used, but it could be used as a, just another outlet or another resource. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, and it's a very powerful one. And and we, we utilize it and we encourage our artists to definitely have Instagram accounts and to have good websites. And all these things are very important because they're also your uh, connection to the world. Wait, okay, now what about this issue... It's a long-standing issue of artists selling out of their studios or behind the galleries back. Mm. Does the does social media has that increased that? Has there been a difference because of the social media that basically artists are selling more on their own? Um, or we, have you not noticed? We haven't noticed that for our artists okay. particularly, but I know it's an issue. Yes, I will 
stop at that. It's fine. I, this yeah. is a, I, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. You just mentioned off recording that there there's an aesthetic that is unique to the Saudi arts. Is that is that true? If so, so what's the variation? What's the difference? What's the unique qualities? So of course it's very hard to generalize, um, but there's a, definitely a, a tendency for Saudi artists to use uh, new media. Uh, photography, video, uh, video installations, uh, installations, site-specific works, and and that's something I I noticed when I got there as well. For example, there it's very hard to find painters. Uh, we really? don't represent a single painter in our roster of um, maybe 25 artists. Some of them ha- have a, a painting background. For example, Sara Abu Abdullah, whose work is behind us, is uh, is a painter, uh, f- formed as a painter, but then became a, v- a video artist uh, and became known for her video work and only very recently went back to making these collage paintings, um, which we're showing one of. But otherwise, uh, the aesthetic is... It's a very, it's a very subtle, the artists that we represent, even though that doesn't come across, are actually quite political and, and socially engaged and have developed their own language of, uh, to comment on their context. Um, and so... Politically and socially engaged? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because that's that's got to be a little difficult to do. Yes, so that's that's why I'm saying writing a balancing line. Like you can't go too far and be too political or too well, socially active. Well, let's say that they did it in a in a mature way. You yeah, know, they didn't good. go uh, headstrong against anyone. They they're not insulting anyone. They're not, uh, you know, uh, they're not aggressive in the way that they. Uh, you know, comment mm. on, on, on their environment. But they learned to do it in a, in a very smart and uh, creative way. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, me- metaphors and By allegories and things like this are all very yeah. commonly used things throughout the art, art history. And also just, just highlighting things that, are, that they see around them without, mm. without criticizing them. Just by the mere fact of highlighting, you're, you're already saying something. The focus of the gallery really is about trying to get uh, your artists into institutions and to curators and museums. What kind of experiences have you had with that? Like, how easy is it or not easy is it to actually make those connections? But not even just make the connections, but build them and 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 uh, nurture them over because mm. they some of them can take years to come to any sort of any sort of tangible results let's say we've been successful in doing that on on several levels but also it comes with a lot more work than i think uh any gallery coming from uh, europe or the u.s for the first reason being that a lot of our artists don't speak english language barrier language barrier yeah it's, it's a big one because uh you it's important for there to be a direct communication between the artists, right, and the institution. And so we are there having to translate everything and every every phone call and um, and every email correspondence. And so 
that already Google Translate is pretty good, though. <laughs> yes. I live in the Czech Republic and I don't speak Czech, so yeah. trust me. So that's that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is that these institutions are located abroad, and so you know you have to go to them. Um, but people have been very curious, you know, uh, and I think it's going to happen more and more that the West. I hate to say that, use that term, but the West, I, I believe, will be looking more and more to at, at Saudi because currently the country recently launched its Ministry of Culture in March. And uh, so the, there's, I don't know if you've heard of something called the Vision 2030. I've heard of it, yep. So, okay, so um, because, uh, because recently the, the focus is, is on sports, art and culture and entertainment and so the ministry of culture has been very proactive in uh, sending artists on residencies and uh, giving scholarships and uh, that's excellent i would love to know more about like scholarships granting residencies these are things that are fascinating to me on 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 from like different levels because on the one hand as a practicing artist they're very interesting to try to get but on the other hand, also from like the curatorial position, the gallery position, I find these kinds of like granting recipients and residency recipients uh, seem to be basically like they've almost been judged worthy by yes. the, 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 the by committee. The <laughs> yeah. And, and so therefore, then they get a better look and, and better, repu you know, potentially a better reputation. Therefore, yeah. Absolutely. And and that's, that's I forgot to mention that, but that's actually one of the things that the gallery has been doing uh, throughout its years. It's, it's sending artists on residencies. Uh, and so the, the art fairs aren't the only way that uh, we've been doing, you know, discovering, allowing people to discover the artists. It's also through residencies. Um, and so, yeah, the, 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 the ministry uh, has been really, really supportive, and uh, uh, they've they're bringing a lot of international shows to Saudi. So, for example, the the ministry uh, recently is is in a, in the process of bringing uh, Biennale Sur, which is a the biennial that recently took place in Buenos Aires. It's coming to Riyadh. And wow. they're also doing very large-scale commissions in, in the public space. Um, they're creating festivals. They're building museums. So I think there's going to be a, a lot more talk about Saudi art and culture. And we hope that people really see how the potential of the, of the art scene and of the artists and, and the creative capital that's there. We, we partnered with Pace Gallery and oh, we nice. actually represent uh, all their roster uh, in Saudi. So we've been uh, working on creating these opportunities for them. And there are many, there are really many opportunities uh, in Saudi right now. And so we're working on two very important and groundbreaking projects uh, that will take place uh, one in Riyadh one in Jeddah and one in Al-Ula Al-Ula is uh, one of the governorates of uh, Saudi it's the size of Belgium wow. and uh, it has uh, one of the most important uh, archaeological sites in the country and they've been doing a festival since uh, last year where they're commissioning uh, projects in the public space and so um, you will hear very soon, I hope, they're announcing uh, the commissions. 
So we're working with Pace uh, and PaceX on, on that. That's pretty impressive. Pace doesn't partner up with many places and people, so it's good. <laughs> they're also very smart. Yes. Well, I mean, they were one of the biggest names in the arts market. So, yeah. yeah. We're, we're very happy with this um, collaboration. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> 2139 is that annual show I was telling you about that's organized by... Um, that's the weirdest number, though. Twenty one. Why is it 2139? The coordinates what? of uh, Jeddah. There we go. Okay, because I'm like, I don't <laughs> understand those numbers. Yes. But that, that's fine. We have uh, 2454, actually, in Abu Dhabi, which is the same coordinates. Okay, yeah, okay. I got it. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, so 2139 is the annual exhibition that the Saudi Art Council organizes every year. And, and that's happening this January. It's curated by Maya, by Maya Khalil, the former director of Ether. Um, and it, we, they always invite international artists uh, along, to be shown alongside Saudi artists. And that's been a very inspiring thing for, for, for the local art scene to, to, to be uh, exposed to these international artists. Because like I said, many, many don't get to travel. And so bringing these international artists locally is very important. If you were able to give any sort of advice or a recommendation to like so from your experience so you're in the gallery scene so to another gallery or another gallerist about how to get better at what they do increase their game go up to the next level whatever what kind of thing would you encourage them to either do actively or or because of something you've learned stay mm. away from so my recommendation is to uh to actually have management skills and business skills because a gallery is at the end of the day it's a business uh, even though it's very hard for the art world to recognize that it is supposed to be a financially viable <laughs> and it's a commercial business and so one of the recommendations I have is not only to have the passion and the eye for art it's also to have this management and business development capacity on your team uh, because we've seen too many galleries be extremely passionate have a great eye but then don't know how to sustain their business financially i i get it i'm an artist and they in school they taught me everything about how to produce art how to think about art how to write about art but they did, never taught me how to run the business of being an artist yeah and and so the, it's very difficult to get that knowledge of like you can you can choose great artists you can be a great uh, uh charismatic person and all this kind of stuff and, and be the salesman and all yeah. that but but being able to actually make it a you know, not necessarily profitable, but at least like balanced balance right. sheet um, yeah. kind of an endeavor is is probably one of the hardest things because mm. I mean most galleries fold within three to ten years. Yeah, I think I think uh, that's exactly the average around five years. Yeah. The other thing I would say is it's it's really important for gallerists not to follow trends. You have to believe in what you do and you have to find, you have to have a coherent and cohesive 
also a roster of artists and that defines your identity, the gallery's identity, its aesthetic, its message and its focus. And I think when you follow trends, you lose sight of who you are. Uh, because you're just trying to catch up with what's happening around you. And when you do that, you're actually falling behind. Uh, so it's really important to be, um, to just have your own vision. And, and when you believe in that vision, I believe things fall into place. Well, and that's a balancing act with the, the business element of this, because if you're trying to be that trend setter instead of that trend follower, mm-hmm. oftentimes the industry won't see your trend for three years, five years, and you need to be able to keep the business open until that thing that you believe in, that thing that the art world has either not shown interest in yet or not figured out yet or or whatever it is. uh, Yes, absolutely. They've got to coincide in some way. The work of a gallerist is really a long-term process building the career of an artist is a long-term endeavor and so um, one of the things that i've experienced with lombard freed when i was living in new york is uh is that they discovered a lot of artists and and actually the other thing i would recommend to a gallery is you have to know how to grow with your artists otherwise they will graduate from you and they will move on to other bigger galleries. And that's uh, one of the major problems in the art world is that you have these young galleries that are discovering artists and the big galleries are kind of taking away, once they see a potential in an artist, they kind of grab them and take them from these young galleries. So there's gallery poaching, basically. Exactly. (laughs) That's, well, that's really interesting. So. So what, but what, so but what you're encouraging is, is that basically if a gallery starts off and they start with young artists, that they, that the gallery needs to grow with the artist's career yes. instead of basically allowing an outside gallery who has more experience in, let's say, artists with more, you know, mid-career level kind of stuff, mm-hmm. just coming in and poaching the young artists once yep. they get to that level. Yes. Yes. It's, it's very important to be able to, uh, assure the artist that you will continue to bring uh, opportunities to them and opportunities that are in line with a career growth so so that they stay with you it's good advice yeah i think it's excellent because i don't i think a lot the problem with that i see with a lot of like arts and artist stuff is is that like everybody gets so bogged down in literally the day-to-day workings Mm -hmm. that sometimes they can't take the step back and see the bigger picture and sort of see like oh wait our our long-term plan on this is xyz yeah i work in academia and it's a it's an incredible fight to just even get them to come up with like a three-year plan yes <laughs> much, well, much less like a five-year you or know a even plan. if you sit down with your artist once a year and you set goals for that year an annual you know meeting that sets a strategy you are already in a much better place than many others and i'm interested by that okay so you so you all as a gallery you do sit down with your artists once a year give or take once a year yes and set goals what kind of goals do you set like i mean like what are these sort of benchmark things that you the they they depend on the artist right so every artist is in a different place in their career and so they and and every artist actually 
defines their uh, success differently. Some artists want to be placed in uh, museum uh, collections. Others uh, want solo shows in uh, uh, institutions. Others just want to be recognized by a curator included in a group show. Others want residencies. Others want uh, mentorship. Um, so some just want sales, you know. So you really have to see where the artist is in, in their career and try and, and, and map out the what would be the next steps that will build their career and, and move forward so that every step they take, more or less, is in that direction and is helping to build this career. Other, others want, for example, press, you know, and, and uh, critical uh, recognition. And uh -huh. So... There are so many different fronts and so many small things that one can do to to build to build the artist's uh, way forward. It's great. My last question. Okay. Probably the most difficult question. Now, you may not have listened to the podcast. That's fine. I don't take offense. The, <laughs> in producing the, the creation of this podcast, I came up with a way because the idea is to figure to learn how the contemporary visual arts world works mm -hmm. okay that's what i want to learn and mm -hmm. that's what i'm hoping to learn from the guests like i obviously don't know the answer because if i knew the answer i would be in my studio making art mm -hmm. instead of all the other things i have to do to make a living so in order to sort of give a quantifiable result that i am i'm learning how the contemporary art world works is that I'm trying to get a piece of my artwork, literally me, presented in the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. Mm. So I'm asking every person that comes mm. for a step in the process of how I can achieve that result. Okay. And whatever you tell me to do, I will do. <laughs> and I will transparently keep everybody involved in the entire process through the podcast. As an artist, I think one of the ways to achieve that is to have a gallery because the gallery has a network and you're a little biased you work at a gallery <laughs> do but it's fine i'll take Slightly. it it's good it's good <laughs> well i mean if you don't want to have a gallery then you really have to know how to network and so you have to have these social skills in order to build these relationships and And Basically, maintain and grow those relationships. Absolutely. Like This is one thing that I've run into in my own career, and I know lots of people that do. I can make relationships. Yes. But it's keeping them and growing them. That is very time-consuming and difficult. I mean, not, not that I don't want to. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It, it takes a lot of effort and conscious work to yes. continually, over years, maintain yeah. these and and staying relevant and you know and, and so basically bottom line what what you want to be doing is you want to be on these curators radar right so that they include you in their biannuals and the triannuals and museum shows and what have you and so uh in order to stay on their radar you also need to know what it is that they're interested in, what it is that they're looking at these days, what are the subjects that they're uh, researching. And so that's why these relationships are so important. And for an artist, the reason why I say it should ha have a gallery is because, is because the artist primarily should be focusing on 
doing their research and making art and being inspired. And so if you're spending uh, half of your time, like you said, it's very time consuming. And so if you're spending most of your time networking, that leaves you with very little time in your studio or wherever you make your art. So reading and researching and, and making videos or whatever. But I feel like the, the galleries that are at the level of what you're talking about, which I, I assume at this point is where you're one of these galleries, where the, the gallery does the, this work, basically this public relations work, this maintaining of relationships works, this building of relationships with curator, curators and institutions and things like this. Those are not that common in the world. Well, that's, I think that's every gallery's mission. I think it is too. Yeah. When you open up an art map or whatever of a city kind of thing, like I, I think the amount the quantity of galleries that think like you seem to be thinking, like your gallery seems to think, are less than the amount of galleries that just simply want to sell art. Mm, mm, mm. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah, of course. I mean, some galleries are more commercial than others, and so their focus is more on sales. Uh, it's almost, because it's almost it's like also... it's almost like we need a, a a different set of criteria. Like this is an institutional art gallery, and this yeah, is a commercial yeah. art gallery. It's <laughs> true that I mean, you can actually uh, you can actually know what the fo the gallery's focus is when you look at the the team and how they've the structure of the team so right. some, if they have a sales director then it's probably more commercial gallery well some galleries uh some galleries for example have a lot of artist liaisons some galleries have uh institutional directors uh some galleries don't even have these positions and focus a lot yeah more on sales um and so because it it takes the gallery a lot of uh, due diligence and research to to know what these curators are looking at and what they're interested in. You have to read interviews, you have to uh, look at magazines and, and, and press and read a lot to also see what's happening and have your pulse on things. So yes, there are these two, I, I guess. But, but see, the, the thing is, I've only worked in galleries that have been focused on institutional relations and developing the exhibition side of artists' practices. That's quite luxurious, in my opinion, to, like, to, <laughs> to, to not basically to not have yeah. to be focused on selling. Because uh, selling is, as much as it's a necessary evil sort of kind of thing, I mean, we want we all want to just be producing art and exhibiting art and letting people appreciate it. And we wish it could, the entire industry could sort of just end there. Yeah. But unfortunately, money has to be involved. Yeah, but w one thing leads to another. You know, when when collectors see when the artist's cv is filled with institutional uh, shows and biennials it also leads to a strong market and the market recognition okay with that question i want to ask another little subtle question this is what i was saying my last two questions yes. always lead to like a million things but so when you all choose to go to an art fair and you sitting back and going okay we're going to go to berlin uh, art fair we're, where we're sitting right now how do you choose which artists? Okay, for this fair, it was a very easy <laughs> selection because we're showing... So, Sara Abu Abdullah, who has a solo exhibition at the Kunstverein in Hamburg. Okay, yeah, that makes so it that, easier. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very obvious choice, and, and they're all pretty much obvious choices. Uh, Riman Nasser, uh, who is in, uh, walking through walls, which just opened at the Gropius Bau, two nights ago it's curated by Sam Bardawil and Til Falrath and so her work is in the show and so obviously 
we had Obvious to again, yes. we had to bring her here and uh, uh Zahra Al-Ghamdi who uh, was uh, is representing Saudi at the Venice uh, Biennial this year and also in Sam and Till's show uh, at the Gropius Bow so another obvious choice Mohammed Munaisir who's on the other wall there is not the obvious choice because he's not in a show currently in in Germany or in Europe. Well, okay, but, well, so then that one, so the one that's not the obvious yeah. choice, why did you choose it? So what I'm getting at is, is basically, so let's say an artist has is represented by a gallery and that gallery does go to art fairs. Why might they be chosen to participate in an art fair or not? Like what are the well, things that market, go into the decision? Every market has a different aesthetic like an overlying uh, aesthetic and uh, and so you try and you see what sh- museum shows are happening in the city what is what is going on every, every city is kind of interested by certain subjects as well and so you have to look at what's happening what are the collectors collecting uh, because nowadays you know there's a lot more uh, talk about this collector and that collector and what they collect and the institute and, and, and the foundations that they're building. And so um, you have to do your research before you come. And and, sure. uh, and so that's kind of how you do it. This has been fabulous. Thank you very much for taking You're your time. You're most welcome. Thank you for your interest. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Ta-da. Ta-da. Ta-da.